of a fellowship, no one in here would have those kind of thoughts, but it's possible. You know, Satan would love to uh, throw us out that way. You know, remember I've told you before that my grandmother uh, committed suicide. She killed herself. And uh, she left us a note that read something like this, that it's because of all the unanswered questions that uh, that's why she did that. So, so that's what happened. Maybe you, if things are going well with you right now, but maybe in the future things won't. What will you do? How would you handle that? You know? How would you handle that? I don't think we normally talk about these things. Um, so the question here is, who do I talk to if I have these kind of thoughts? I don't think those things would come up because we are very concerned. We don't want to look bad. We don't want people to think bad of us. So it's quite possible we're not really being real. We don't really share what's really on our hearts. You know, when we ask one another, hey, how you doing? What's the normal response? Everything's fine. But is it really? And do we have time to really be interested to really hear what's going on? See, that's the thing. So how do we answer these things? How do we handle all these, these things here? Well, I pray that this message will give us answers this morning. So why don't we pray? Lord, I come to you and pray that, Lord, that this message would be a real encouragement for my church. That it would strengthen us and it would speak to the things that we don't normally talk about with one another. And that's okay. I pray that this would draw us even closer to you because you see these things and you know, you understand, and you have answers. So I pray that we would uh, come away deeply encouraged and strengthened, and that we may be able to strengthen somebody else, because I believe we've heard these things before through your word. Pray these things in your name. Amen. Uh, so we're looking at Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 18, where it says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God so that, you may be so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist in the evil day. And having done everything to stand firm, stand firm. Therefore, having girded your loins with truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shud your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. In addition to all, take up the shield of faith 
which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and a sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the spirit, and with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. So amen. So be encouraged. Our God is eternal. Our God has created everything. Our God is good, and he has a kingdom agenda. Whether God, whatever God says is true. Amen? And whatever, whatever he says he'll do, he's going to do. Our God keeps all of his promises. We can trust our God. And he has complete control over everything. Colossians chapter 1 talks about that. Angels are created beings, just like we. Satan chose to rebel against God and was cast out of heaven. In Genesis chapter 2 verse 9, we see that God, by his sovereign choice, placed the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil right in the middle of the garden. Then God commanded the man not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in Genesis 2.16. He could eat freely of any of the other trees, but not that one tree. Because God said, if you eat from that tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you will surely die. Way back in Genesis 3, we see that man's first encounter with spiritual welfare took place there. The serpent, Satan, approached the woman, Eve, and asked, Indeed, has God said you shall not eat from any tree of the garden? Eve said to Satan, We can eat from any of the trees in the garden, but not the one in the middle of the garden, because if we eat from it or touch it, we'll die. Satan told her in verse 4 and 5, you surely will not die. For God knows that in that day you eat from it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Right there is where Satan challenged her. This is where our spiritual battle began. God gave a command. Satan didn't challenge what they could eat, right, from the other trees, because there was no negative consequences there from eating from those trees. But only one tree, one of the two trees in the middle of the garden, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, only that tree, if they ate from that tree, they would all, uh, they and all of mankind would be separated from God. Right there, Satan was, was messing with God's plan, so he thought. Satan lied to her, and that lie did lead them to spiritual separation from God and physical death. 
Adam lost the battle for him and his wife. And that was a major loss. Because what Adam did affected all, affects all of us even today. All of us are now born separated spiritually from God. We are in need of a savior to deliver us from sin. And from that point, all throughout the Bible and even today, there is this spiritual battle going on for the souls of mankind. The Bible says in, in John 10, 10, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I came that they might have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Well, let's see how we as believers can experience victory. Ephesians chapter 10, verse 6 says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. As you remember, uh, in, as you remember church in Romans chapter 5, 6, 7, and 8, tells us that we as believers in Jesus are already victorious. Romans 8, chapter 8, verse 1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. No condemnation. Amen? This means that uh, we as believers are no more guilty of sin. There is no sin a believer can commit, past, present, or future, that can be held against them since the penalty was paid by Jesus Christ. And righteousness was imputed to us as believers. In other words, Christ's righteousness was given to us through faith. And no sin will ever reverse this divine legal decision. This was only this is only for those who are in Christ Jesus. Those of us who are united with Christ. This is, this is true for all believers who have trusted Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord. So what's going on here? We are freed as believers. We're freed from the penalty of sin because Jesus paid it for us on the cross, we are, we are free from being slaves to sin. We no, longer have to, we no longer have to obey sin because we, as believers, are no longer under the law. But we are now under God's grace. Our old sin nature died with Jesus Christ on the cross. Romans 6, chapter 6, verses 1 through 14. And Galatians chapter 2, 20. But we are not free from the presence of sin and, is, and its influence on the believer. That's Romans chapter 7, verses 14 through 25. Yes, we are not slaves to sin, but we can now unwisely uh, let sin control us. Because we are still vulnerable through our minds, our thinking process to sin. This is where the battle is. 
This is why the Bible tells us in Proverbs 4.20, keep your heart or guard your heart with all diligence for out of it spring the issues of life. Romans 6.12 warns us, therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal bodies so that you obey its lust. So what do we do? Ephesians 6.10 says, don't be strong in our flesh to obey sin. What does it say? Be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Well, how do I do that? Well, verse 11 through 18 talks about that. Verse 11 says, put on the full armor of God. Yeah, you put it on. This requires action on my part. A decision to do it and obey it. Paul uses these word pictures to really communicate with the Ephesian church so that they might fully understand what he's saying. This is back in the day when the Roman soldiers wore armor in hand-to-hand -hand combat. To put on the full armor of God means to never take it off. We keep it on. Nowhere in this passage does it say to take it off. No, put it on and keep it on. That is the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. The Greek word schemes has to do with craftiness, cleverness, crafty methods of doing things, cunning, deceptive ways. Satan's schemes are carried through the evil world system, which he rules, and are carried out by his demons. Satan doesn't hold back. His schemes include every sin at his disposal to use on us. Immoral practices, false theology, false religion, all kinds of worldly enticements. Satan tries to take advantage of us, to destroy us. Remember, Satan doesn't love us. He is incapable of loving us. Satan hates us because uh, he hates God, and we're linked to God. Verse 12, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Make no mistake, like it or not, all of us, all of us who are Christians are involved from time to time in frontline fighting with the enemy, Satan. The word struggle here is a term used of hand-to-hand -hand combat or wrestling. By some translations, it talks about wrestling. And we have to contend with this enemy and all his tricks and deception. 
Well, these four designations that uh, were talked about here uh, describe the different levels and ranks the demons have, uh, have on us here. And it says here, rulers or principalities. This may possibly be referring to Satan's high-ranking generals. Yeah, who have the oversight over entire nations, like Daniel chapter 10. If you get a chance to read that again, read Daniel chapter 10. Number two, the powers. This may be talking about how his lower-ranking privates uh, who possess human beings, like Matthew chapter 17, about uh, the demon-possessed boy, and uh, Mark chapter 5, about the demon-possessed man. Yeah, powers. Number three, the world forces of this darkness or the rulers of the darkness of this world. This is talking about those demons in charge of Satan's worldly business. Number four, the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. This is about those demons who are in charge of worldly religion or false religion. So, so how do we handle this? That's the question. How do we handle this correctly and victoriously, all these attacks on us? Well, it requires truth and righteousness on our part. To an, and, uh, and spiritual, it also requires spirit-filled living. It also involves God's grace in our lives. It's what God gives us to enable us, to empower us, to provide us with the ability to do his will, God's grace. 2 Thessalonians chapter 12, verse 9 tells us, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly will I rather boast in my infirmities, my weaknesses, that the power of Christ might rest upon me. Uh, Philippians chapter 4, verse 13, tell us, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Amen? So, verse 13 starts off by saying, therefore. Therefore, because we are in this great battle with Satan, and because we have God with us to deal with Satan, now we can't do this on our own strength. Remember, Jesus tells us in, in John 15, 5, for without me, you can't do anything. You can do nothing. So therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you might be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand. In order to deal with these satanic attacks on us believers every day, constantly attacking our minds, our thinking, we must take up the whole armor of God, all of it, every day, always keep it on. You know, I'm a uh, uh, technician, I'm a pest control technician. I work for Anderson Pest Solutions, you know that. Brandon's my, my boss, my big boss. And, uh, you know, I, I, uh, I love my job. 
I really do. And it's very, very important for me and for all of us technicians to have all of our equipment with us. I remember one time, uh, not too long ago, about two, about two weeks ago, I went to work. My first stop was on uh, 16th Street off of Ashland. There's a school there. I go there, and uh, as I'm kneeling down to uh, work on my, or service this uh, rodent station, I realized I didn't have my knee pads. Somehow, I left my knee pads at home. I didn't even realize that until I was there. <laughs> so, no. So I called Donna and asked her, did I leave my knee pads uh, at home? She said, yep, they're right in the living room. Okay. Well, I managed to get through, but it was, it was, uh, it was awkward. But I need all of my equipment. I need my, we call it a handheld. This is where all the information of the day is. I need to have that in order to do the job. I need to have my bait in order to treat the insects. <laughs> I gotta have my flashlight. If I don't, then I can't see where these insects or environments are hiding. So in the, in the same sense as me needing all of my equipment, we need to put on the whole armor of God. Amen? So what is the evil day? The evil day is every day. Since the day when Adam and Eve sinned against God, every day has been, every day is evil until the, our, the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul uses the word armor, armor worn by the Roman soldiers to make a spiritual application to each one. The Ephesians would know exactly what Paul was saying when he was talking about the whole armor of God analogy. To effectively communicate what it takes to be victorious in this spiritual battle. Everybody knew that the Roman army was an incredibly well-organized unit, well-drilled. They had a reputation of winning their battles. The armor that the Roman soldiers wore were second to none. A lot of thinking went into the making of the armor and, and designing the armor, which was made of iron and, uh, and leather straps. Their helmet was made of metal. The Roman soldiers uh, had, a, uh, they had a shield that curved around them, fitted around them so the soldiers uh, would be uh, protected. And it also, the way it was made, you could butt up with one another and be able to form you know, a line that way where nobody can really get in and attack, attack you. So okay, let's look at the uh, equipment and attitude that we need to have to fight successfully uh, the spiritual battles of Satan. It says, stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth. Okay. We're, we are told by Paul to stand four times in verses 11, 13, and 14. The believer is never told to attack the devil. We can't, we can't win if we attack the devil. <laughs> 
Who are we to attack the devil? He's got too many things over us. We're very limited. We can't just attack him. But we can stand. We can stand against him and resist him. 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 8 and 9 says, Be sober, be vigilant, or keep awake and watch. Because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. That word devour has to do with drink down or gulp entirely, swallow. You know how it is when you're real thirsty and you drink that down, you devour that drink? Well, Satan is thirsty. He wants to devour us. He wants to destroy us. Make no mistake about that. So resist him steadfastly in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. When we're tempted to do wrong, we should run. We should run away from it, like Joseph did when Potiphar's wife made advances to him to have sex with her. That's in Genesis uh, chapter 39, verse 12. But when we are attacked by Satan to do, uh, because we're doing right, we should stand firm like Daniel and his three friends did in Daniel chapter 3. They decided not to bow down and worship the golden image of King Nebuchadnezzar made and commanded everyone to worship. So the girdle of truth, what is that all about? This is the first piece of equipment mentioned here. A girdle is a belt used to keep all the other, piece, other parts of uh, the armor firmly in place. Ancient combat, hand-to-hand -hand fighting, if your tunic was too loose, your enemy could grab onto it and do you in. So having everything tucked tightly was always best for success. Now, as this relates to truth, we, are always, we always want to stay in the realm of truth. So Satan can't uh, rightfully accuse us of anything. Truth and truthfulness is the idea of sincere commitment to fighting and winning without hypocrisy. That's Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. If a believer's life is tainted with deceit, and falsehood and lies, that's, that's, going, that's going to forfeit uh, the very thing that's supposed to keep all the other pieces of his armor together. That's going to forfeit your life. You, we have to be uh, in a right relationship with God. We can't be living a lie. Amen? That'll set us up. The breastplate of righteousness breastplate of righteousness. Isaiah 59, 17 says, uh, he put on righteousness like a breastplate. This is saying that when I decide to practice living faithfully in obedience to God and his word, it will protect my heart. See, if I, as a believer, decide to live in sin, this will rob me of the protection God wants me to have. Living my life in disobedience to God will expose my heart to Satan. 
Hebrews chapter 10, verse 22 says, let, all, let us all draw near with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Paul says, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. What is that talking about? Talks about the sandals of the gospel. The sandals the Roman soldiers wore bounded their feet with thongs over the insteps uh, and around their ankles. The, the, soles, of the, the soles were th uh, were made of thick studded nails. And this gave them very firm footing so when they're attacked, they could stand firm. I think this illustrates what happens when, uh, when we know the true doctrines of the Bible, the gospel, believe in it. First Peter chapter 3.15 says, but sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts, always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you and gives an account for the hope that's in you, yet with gentleness and reverence. And then there's the shield of faith. What is that? This is actually talking about a shield. Again, as mentioned before, the shield Roman soldiers had were, were big and curved so that they would fit around the soldier's body. The Roman soldiers uh, yeah, fit around their body. The, so, uh, the shields of faith, what Paul's talking about is having basic truth, in G basic trust in Jesus Christ. We as believers are to continue to believe and trust God's word so that when the enemy throws temptations our way, like flaming arrows, arrows that were set on fire, uh, heading, uh, throwing toward us, we'd be able to resist it. We as believers can resist temptation. The Bible says in Romans chapter 10, verse 17, so faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the confidence of things not seen. And verse 6, and without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of, of those who seek him. Remember what James tells us in uh, James 4, 7. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. And take the helmet of salvation. Now, we're talking these things. This is how we resist the enemies, uh, attacks on us. Take the helmet of salvation. The helmet protects the head. This is always a major target in battle. You destroy the head, you kill the person. This is what Satan wants. John 10.10, 10, again, uh, he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. The word salvation here in the Greek is a noun for defender. Paul here is speaking to those who are already saved. Satan tried to destroy the believer's confidence that he or she is really saved when the storms of life are blowing strong, Satan is skilled in throwing uh, these flaming arrows of doubt, acute accusation and discouragement, causing us to even question, am I really saved? Is God going to take care of me? Are things really going to work out? 
Paul says in, in, in uh, 1 Thessalonians 5.8, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet of hope, with the hope of salvation. This is, this is an issue for a lot of believers, uh, this, this issue of eternal security, because Satan casts doubts on people's minds. Are they really saved? The fact is, the helmet is the hope of salvation as it relates to eternal salvation in heaven. And also salvation as it relates to our daily deliverance in, the pre in this present life from God as we're dealing with all the different challenges of life. Jesus is our defender. He's able to keep us and to present us faultless, blameless in that day. The important responsibilities we have as believers is to study God's word. Study doctrine. Study the word. And to know the Bible in its context and believe it. So that we're not confused. So that we're not confused. Insecure and defeated. Salvation itself is eternally protected. That's a fact. Believers never need to fear that they can lose their salvation. Amen? Uh, we, can be, we can be strong in God's promises of eternal salvation well, from what the Bible says. John chapter 6, verse 37 and 39 says, All that the Father gave me or gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will certainly not cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of him who sent me, that of all that he has given me, I lose nothing, but raise it up on the last day. There are many other passages, passages in the Bible about eternal security. But it's important to know these things. Uh, so, and believe the word of God. Meditate on them. Memorize them. We have to accurately interpret the word of God. And this is a lifelong assignment that we have. This is our defense. This is our deliverance. This is our helmet that we as believers must put on daily. Again, the, the Bible says in, in 2 Timothy chapter 2.15, Be diligent to present yourselves approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed, accurately handling the word of truth. John 8, 31 and 32 tells us, so Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed him, if you continue in my word, then you are truly my disciples of mine, and you will know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. So when Satan tries to cast doubt in the areas of salvation and all these other areas in our life, he can't because we know and understand truth. But we have to study. And Jesus gives us an example here in uh, Matthew chapter 4, verse 1 and 11. Satan tried, remember, Satan tried to attempt Jesus, but he couldn't because Jesus accurately quoted the word of God. 
And so, yeah, it's written. And so Satan left for a while. So it really doesn't matter what the issue is, eternal security, God's ability to deliver us. Satan is going to challenge us about what God has said and will tempt us to not believe what the word says. The helmet of salvation protects our head, our thoughts, our mind, and what we believe because we've studied the word of God and believe it. Amen. And there's the sword of the spirit. What is that talking about? The sword of the spirit. The Greek term for sword refers to small, a small weapon, about six to 18 inches long. So that's, that's you're doing close uh, fighting <laughs> theirs. The weapon is just six to 18 inches long. And it's used both to defend, to fight off Satan's attacks, and also offensively to destroy Satan's uh, strategies. The sword of the spirit is the truth of scripture. Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse three through five says, for, through, for, though, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. We are destroying speculations in every lofty thing, raising up against the knowledge of God. We are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Hebrews uh, 4.12 says, For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing and as far as the division of soul and spirit of both joint and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And finally, in our battle with Satan, the Bible tells us that we, we have to pray. Pray to God for ourselves, for one another, occasionally. No, not occasionally. All the time. I like what Brandon is doing here. He's... Uh, giving us these assignments to call people and, and find out how they're doing and pray for them. See, that strengthens the body. That encourages one another. That helps us in our prayer, how we can really, how we can really pray to pray for one another more intelligently because we've, we've talked to the person. And this keeps, this keeps believers protected, our prayer, our prayers. Again, verse 18. With all prayer and petition, requests, petitions have to do with requests, pray at all times in the spirit. Praying in the spirit deals with my submission to God as I do what the Lord wants me to do. And with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. So we are to pray to God. Judge uh, uh, 20, or rather Jude 20 says, but you, brethren, Chicagoland Bible Fellowship, build yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. So we're to pray and we're to watch. We're to watch out for one another. We're to watch out what's going on. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 13 through 14 says, be on the alert. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. 
Be strong. Let all that you do be done in love. Revelation chapter 3 verse 2 says, Wake up and strengthen the things that remain, which were about to die. For I have not found your deeds complete in the sight of my God. So watch out. So in closing here, it seems here that both watching and praying work hand to hand in overcoming the world, the flesh, and the devil. And we should do this as an opportunity to serve Jesus. And in closing here, Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 through 4 tells us, Devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving, praying at the same time for us as well, that God will open up to us a door for the word, so that we may speak forth the mysteries of Christ, for which I have been also imprisoned that I may make it clear in the way I ought to speak. Well, there you have it. I know there was a lot of word here, but so be it. This is how we can uh, be victorious in this spiritual battle, spiritual warfare. We've got to be uh, studying the word of God. We've got to study doctrine. We've got to be living in truth and not living in falsehood because we do and then we open ourselves up to Satan. Amen? Amen. Amen. I did this for your encouragement, our encouragement as a church. Hope you encouraged you.